Unlocking what was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So anyways, Mike, if you don't want to get cancelled, uh, my biggest tips would be avoid controversial opinions on the internet and try not to make a sequel based on a classic rare N64 franchise. Those seem like pretty simple and easy to follow instructions, Neil, but we'll let the internet decide. And, yeah. Oh, we're live. We're live. Oh, oh, well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. Big week in uh, in, in my life, for sure, and, and yours as well. You got to see me get married. I'm a married man now. The wedding was, uh, I believe... I believe our counter is now at four days. Uh, it was four days ago. So basically my fiance was doing like this countdown mm-hmm. uh, for like 250 days from the wedding. We got this little tent thing to do, you know, countdown calendar. And now I'm counting up. And, you know, <laughs> her question was, you know, what are you counting up to? And of course, you know, we'll see. We'll have to find out. <laughs> but yeah, got married on uh, September 16th, Married Man Now, which was a lot of fun. Great day, outdoor ceremony, indoor reception. You were the best man. You nailed the speech, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, the, the whole day was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, we'd been planning it for about a year, uh, and it all went up without a hitch. So I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about it, maybe get, uh, like, what is it like being a best man from your perspective? I know you, Kirsten, and Brandon, I believe, were playing uh, Wedding Bingo, so I need to know who won at that. Uh, yeah, so let's, uh, I guess we'll start at the very top of the day with our, our getting ready shots, which was very weird, uh, to say the least, just basically being in a hotel room posing in half of a tuxedo. There, there's, there's so many fun things about the, the wedding day, uh, for sure. There's, I, you know what? I learned a lot, Neil, I gotta say, and, mm. uh, and also congratulations. Uh, uh, Thank you. I don't think I ever actually said congrats. Well, I, I, I said it in a card format. I, uh, That's right. I gave you a nice card drawn in the style <laughs> of Harry Potter. Perfect. Uh, and uh, with you as Harry Potter, obviously, and your wife now as uh, as Ginny, because she has red hair. So uh, that's right. Worked out really well. I'm glad you like that card. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Learned a lot in the wedding day. Lo- loved some of the parts for sure. Or loved all the parts, honestly. There was uh, there was uh, of the wedding itself. There was so much amazing times with our friends. Very surreal. Honestly, yeah. I think that was the word that I've used explaining <laughs> this wedding to a lot of people is the fact that like it's you know that it's going to happen obviously like you know have known this for over a year now yeah. um and then it actually happens and the day goes by so fast and i can't even imagine what it would be like for you you were cool as a cucumber you did a great job as as the groom i will say uh well, thank you. which is uh you know it's it's a stressful time a lot of things are happening uh people aren't listening sometimes too you know <laughs> and the one thing i'd say i learned as being the best man is that your your best man and maid of honor should certainly be people that obviously you're super close with, mm-hmm. but they should also be people that you're you know are extremely reliable and mm-hmm. will get stuff done. Yes, and they'll be there on time, and you don't need to explain every little thing to them. Yeah, surreal is a great way to describe it. Honestly, like just mm-hmm. having everybody that you know basically uh, in the same room, yeah. uh, like high school friends with your cousins, with your aunts and uncles, with my great aunt was there. Uh, our friend John, who doesn't stay out late, was there until I think about one a.m. Yep, which uh, we called him leaving. We we figured he'd leave at nine p.m. So uh, that was great. Um, I have never seen John past midnight. And John has hosted New Year's Eve party, so let's just, <laughs> just just take that in. <laughs> yeah, usually New Year's Eve in our friend group is from one to six, um, which is awesome. Uh, he even joined the dance floor too. We did we had a big group dance to Ocean Man, which was awesome. Apparently, Spencer's entire side of the family wondered what the hell was going on because they have no context for that song. And I was like, that's that's exactly what you wanted uh, or that we wanted. Uh, I'm glad that you thought that I was well composed because I broke down as soon as I started reading my vows, and then uh, my mother's Sundance as well. Of course. Um, that was very emotional, that, that dance be on. my heart. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I did find a way to include Tarzan, Phil Collins soundtrack. Uh, I did not use the Phil Collins version, though. I used uh, the Kenny Loggins version, which because I was I was listening to the Phil Collins version of You'll Be In My Heart, which is the song that we danced to, and it, it gets a little bit too rockin' for a slow dance <laughs> song. I was like, it does pick up. <laughs> little, there, there could be a, a bit too much moshing in the front. Yeah, we didn't want any moshing while my mom and I were dancing, so yeah. I, I, I stumbled across the uh, the Kenny Loggins, because he's got a couple of random cover albums of like a bunch of Disney songs, yeah. 
they're great. Um, but one of the songs on there is uh, You'll Be In My Heart. And uh, I was like, this is perfect. Had to shorten it because that's a six minute song. And uh, that's way too long to be uh, swaying around in a circle. So yeah. had to shorten that one to a crisp two minutes and 30 seconds. And I didn't do a very, because I, I, I edited that song. Didn't do a great job. I just kind of faded out <laughs> after a chorus. <laughs> it sounded fine. I, I liked yeah, it. It just it was funny because, yeah, I think everyone was like, oh, yeah, oh, I guess it's over now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, sometimes those dances go on for way too long, though. And I, I work yes. weddings as my job. And sometimes it's like, man, it's been like four and a half, five minutes. And people start to get antsy. Some people start walking around. You see people checking their phones. That <laughs> um, it's like, yeah, didn't didn't need that. And even like all of our like DJ and photographer and uh, venue coordinator was like, yeah, you know, two and a half, two to two and a half minutes is more than enough for the parent dances. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We nailed it. All the timing was perfect. For the wedding, for the lead up, it was a it was a long day. It was a big day. Uh, I did do wedding bingo, of course, and and what what Neil uh, mentioned mentioned there, and what he means there is that oftentimes over the years now, I I will make bingo cards for certain events, uh, mm-hmm. and just because it's a fun thing to do, sometimes it's you can have a good chuckle with some of your friends, and I basically yes. will put things on that card um, that I think will happen in that day. I do the same thing with the Nintendo Directs all the time because that is a lot of fun f-zero is always on there uh and it got mentioned last time you got it i got it you got it nice nice uh and there there were a couple uh there were a couple of fun ones on there that i got there was uh disney getting mentioned in the vows which is which is key uh Mm -hmm. like that uh we had a uh, love at first sight which is was kind of mentioned i gave myself the uh the x on that one uh, okay. I was hoping that uh, uh, oh someone gets too drunk. Of course, that was uh, Kirsten. Yeah, very good. <laughs> that was friend of the show, Kirsten, who had a she had a great night, but uh, not a great morning. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, cribbage being involved mm. somehow. I I knew I'd get that one, and sure enough, it was. Love that. Love that you guys had some cribbage boards set up uh, <laughs> after the wedding. So sweet. Yeah, I, I mean, like cribbage wasn't just referenced in the wedding; it was mentioned in in like every speech. I think mentioned it, uh, and then we yeah we had three boards set up. We figured that like you know maybe some of the older folk you know throughout the evening will get bored or they just want a quiet space and they'll want to play it. I don't think anybody played it until the very very end where yes. uh, my now brother in law and uh, and his girlfriend were playing it, and I think they only got through half a game because we had to clean up the venue space at that point. Um, I was having a great time with it because you missed some things. That that's the beauty of it. It's like mm-hmm. I was everywhere and you were in different places so you know you were like you know someone or you didn't you didn't notice the disney uh reference in the vows at first and i was yeah. like no, no spencer she mentioned uh my greatest adventure from up in her yes. vows and you were like oh thank you and she also walked down the aisle to beauty and the beast but i guess that i guess that wasn't counted in that and then there was another one that was like um someone trips in a uh in an important big moment big moment and the, her dad tripped in the first dance which you didn't notice um no <laughs> i did mean to ask you though because i noticed that your bingo card had checked off someone dressed too casually or, or something to that effect like wearing jeans or a hat or something what, what who was that because we were looking at like photos that we could find and we weren't sure can you do you remember what they were wearing yeah so your cousin one of your cousins came up to me hmm. uh during the evening because he knew that i had this on the on the bingo and told me that someone had some like old vans <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> and I was like, I think he just said Vans. I was like, oh, like Vans, like sh- like black ones. He's like, no, no, like 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 old Wait. Vans, Ooh. like ones that like my concert shoe kind of Vans. Oh, cool! <laughs> I didn't notice who that was. I, I don't I, know. I, you'll have to ask him. Yeah. We're gonna have to. I mean, he didn't know mostly everybody there, so he's Fair. not gonna be of much help. But I, we're gonna sift through photos to see who you were talking about. And uh, someone was wearing white was another one, I think. And there was uh, I forget who it was. And I think it was a bit, bit of an off white. Yeah, yeah. But, but I'm counting. That. You know, oh like, yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's uh, what uh, traditional bing- wedding bingo rules. We're not we're not playing. A, that's right. We're, we're not in the major league wedding bingo yet. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, and uh, one thing that happened at the wedding that I, I think was on the bingo card was Neil does a shot, which yes, I think that's the first shot I've done in a decade. <laughs> yeah, probably. I think honestly, that shot was pretty good. I also had that one at the same time as you, and uh, I did a half a shot. I will I will admit it wasn't fair. a full shot, but I'll still count it because it tasted disgusting. I think it was whiskey. <laughs> It was. Oh, God, I don't know why people drink that for fun. I had a whiskey and then I had an eight ounce glass of water right after it. I Um, love gasoline. Oh, yeah. Basically (laughs) just tastes straight. But but my like uh, Kirsten was like, you know, you don't have to do whiskey. And like I was looking at the bar and I was like, nothing here looks better than whiskey. So it doesn't really matter as long as it's not tequila, because tequila, I think, is literal poison. 
Um, <laughs> we, Cakesters were also at the wedding. Yes. We had a, a lovely Oreo bar that came out at about uh, like 10 o'clock at night, the late night Oreo station. Some some cultures do seafood. Some cultures do pasta. We in, uh, in the... Uh, the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast culture like to uh, center our celebrations around the the greatest sandwich company on the planet, Oreo. Uh, so basically, Mike, I've been spending the last five months or so basically traveling all around the Toronto area into different stores. We've been to Buffalo uh, looking for different flavors of Oreos. And I was capped at 11. My fiance now, wife Spencer, said, you know, we're done at 11. And, and my, uh, my response was, <laughs> okay, honey. <laughs> um, she didn't find that very, uh, uh, very amusing, but anyway, uh, we did end up at 11 flavors of Oreos, including the Oreo Cakester. So Oreo yeah. Cakesters did make an appearance in that station. Of course, I think those were the only ones that actually all went. There were leftovers of all the other flavors except the Cakesters. Um, and I actually posted, I guess when this goes live a couple days ago on our Instagram, a photo of, uh, me and friend of the show, Brandon sharing an Oreo Cakester toast. And someone commented on that asking if that was you and I. Um, and I'd like to know which one they think you and I are. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to know that too. Yeah. I, I, I'll I'll embody Brennan for the night. Uh, I I didn't get as drunk as him, but you know, I, uh, I definitely had as much fun, uh, as he did there. Wedding Brandon is amazing, by the way, I must say he was an absolute gem. He was filming everything. He filmed everything on his, on, uh, on Spencer's phone, which was great. He He wasn't late. No, he was on time, dressed perfectly. Very, very, I loved all of our friends. All of our friends at weddings are actually a ton of fun. Yes. Um, Because I had never seen anybody. I had never done a wedding with any of the guys before. Uh, This was only my fourth wedding ever. I know that you've been to way more. Uh, But Mm. all the weddings that I've been to have been either family or or Spencer's uh, best friend who I didn't. It was mostly her friend and family group there. So this was the first time having my entire high school friend group there. And honestly, I feel like I need to invite that group to every wedding that I go to from now on because I feel like I need that nucleus and that table to sit at the next time I go to a wedding. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I um, this was also my first time with all our friends at one wedding in one space. You said it at, at the beginning. It's it's really cool to have everyone you've ever known really in one space together mm-hmm. celebrating. That made it really fun. And even my mom showed up at the end. She was my yeah, Uber driver. She came awesome. and, uh, and picked picked me up. That was uh, that was fantastic. Got to uh, and I got to stay another half an hour because mm. <laughs> she she kept talking. It's kind of <laughs> like when you're at a friend's house and like your mom calls the house and it's like I'm running late. You know I'm yeah. at I'm at the grocery store. I'll be there in half an hour. And it's like yes. It was really funny, actually. I think a couple people, I think Zaffer got picked up from his mom and my friend Matt got picked up, who he was on the uh, the Chibi Robo episode. Uh, he got picked up from his parents. It was really, it was very much like like having, like being kids again, like being at the just ultimate kind of birthday party where everyone's parents kind of were coming to pick everybody up. My parents were there, obviously. Uh, it was very weird seeing my parents talking to like all of my adult friends, like about talking about adult things, like right? my, <laughs> my mom talking to uh, Spencer's bet maid of honor about having kids and stuff like that. I was like, man, this is very weird. Um, so meanwhile, strange. we're dancing on the dance floor to Ocean Man. So <laughs> <laughs> the two cultures mixing together. That's right. That's right. It was a great day. I'm sad that it's over. But uh, of course, we have, uh, you know, the, the photos to look forward to, which takes six weeks. That's something that I learned with wow. weddings is that you it take. Yeah, it takes a while to get photos back, Mike. So you'll be waiting for your thank you card for a little while because we got to make a photo. We've got to make cards out of those photos, of course. Of course, they're going to be some beautiful photos. I can't wait to see them all in six weeks' time. We'll talk about the wedding again then in uh, in six weeks' time. But uh, one thing I wanted to talk about, Neil, before we get into the days, I guess we can talk a little bit about video games and 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 pop culture. Sure. Uh, uh, not not that your wedding isn't part of pop culture now, which I think it is. <laughs> it it's could on, be. it's it's talked about on this podcast, so mm-hmm. it's in the zeitgeist now. But uh, uh, really interesting thing uh, about with Nintendo and Xbox. Not sure if you saw this, Neil, but uh, uh, Xbox uh, leaked, or I guess someone leaked a bunch of Xbox Microsoft emails from early 2020 very funny stuff at least i found very funny about uh, xbox wanting to buy nintendo uh, as well as not wanting to call the nintendo switch a console when it was first launched was this i was i was trying to get some new like uh information on this today i've been it was a busy day in the in the gilbert household but was this was this a leaked thing from 2017 or 2016 or was this recently 
this this was so this was around early 2020 that these emails were going out and uh it was because this is when xbox was going to launch their project scarlet which became the mm. xbox one x one xxx yeah whatever uh, <laughs> xbox <laughs> divide by pi whatever that's right <laughs> <laughs> okay i feel like that we're back in 2001 again where microsoft right? talk about buying nintendo on like a five-year cycle basically this <laughs> yeah. is not really news because when i saw it i was like yeah they, they talked about buying nintendo i think in the 90s and maybe in the 80s and i think around the time when they were making the xbox the original plan was for them to buy nintendo um so this felt like just like yeah i guess it's that time of the decade again but the other thing that i noticed interesting was that they said you know the switch is a bad 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 title i think a lot of people had that reaction in 2016 when nintendo yeah. announced the switch being like the switch like what the hell does that mean? Like it, it didn't like exactly ignite any excitement in me, honestly, when I first heard that name. But by 2020, I think that, that that's a weird uh, take to think that the Switch is a maybe. You could still have that opinion that the Switch is a bad title, but I wouldn't. I, I mean, Nintendo's gonna have a really hard time leaving that moniker or that uh, I guess that title, that yeah. brand behind. Like, what are they? We we've been talking about this now recently. Now that Nintendo's gonna be coming out with a new console, probably within the next year or two. Are they going to call it the Switch 2, the Switch U, God forbid? Like, are they going to ditch that altogether? They seem the Switch they, Cube. The Switch Cube. Oh, boy. I'd, I'd buy that in a heartbeat. But they always seem to have this issue, especially with successful consoles. And they usually do string along that title. So, you know, we had the Game Boy that went to the Game Boy Color and the Game Boy Advance and then the SP. And then we had the DS, which basically went from 2006 until now with the, D- yeah. the 3DS. The Wii, they attempted it with the Wii and then the Wii U. So... I was thinking about this this morning, actually, and it seems like whenever they try and extend or prolong the life of handheld consoles, it always goes pretty well. Uh, But when they do it with game console or with uh, home consoles, it doesn't. Um, But this, at least with like, I was thinking maybe like with the NES and the SNES, like the SNES was pretty popular. So I guess that that's a bad example. But the Switch is a hybrid console. It's a handheld and a home console. So um, we'll have to see what happens. And and if they do rename the, the Switch to something unswitch related, we'll have to see what they call it. But I, I Microsoft, I don't think Microsoft will ever buy Nintendo. Um, it'll have to get things will have to get very bad for that to happen. But what, what do you think? Do you think do you think that will ever happen? Microsoft buying Nintendo? I'm not sure. It's it's hard to say. They they called it like the, the their prime gaming target is what they they said in the email. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> I know. It, just, it was funny looking at these emails because, you know, you and I, obviously, uh, for both our works, we get a lot of stupid emails every day and mm-hmm. a lot of memos and stuff like that. And so it was funny kind of looking at it from like a corporate point of view and just imagining some employee seeing this being like, oh, oh God. <laughs> so it's uh, I, I don't think they probably will. They'll, they'll, they'll most likely be just buying software like they bought Bethesda and like they bought another company, Neil, that we're going to be talking about today on this week's episode. That's right. It feels very much like we're living in the GameCube generation. So I think we should talk about some canceled GameCube games from yesteryear, Mike. What do you think? Let's do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 30 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast, the show about all things retro that we loved from our childhood. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one podcast on the internet that will turn your wedding into a game of bingo. You can support the show on patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. Supporters at the $5 level get to submit and vote on our monthly Patreon elected episode. Last week, we talked about Super Mario World on the SNES and the Game Boy Advance. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we are covering our Patreon elected episode. We usually do this at the end of the month, but uh, thanks to my wedding, uh, well, we had to rejig our schedule a little bit this month, so the Patreon episode is going live today. The topics for this month uh, were recycled topics from past months, since none of you supporters out there submitted a topic for us. Uh, so stay tuned on October 1st if you're a Patreon supporter at the $5 level for the uh, the new topic submission post. Uh, but uh, the topics for this month were iPod Nano Memories, Iron Man 2008, Cancelled GameCube games and the Offspring's album Americana, and uh, with a commanding lead of sixty percent of the votes, the winner is Cancelled GameCube games. It's very strange, Mike. It seems as though that listeners out there want us to talk about the GameCube. I can't imagine why. That's weird. 
I know. Not, we've never talked about it before, so I guess f- first time for everything. I know. It's an unexplainable phenomenon. I have uh, I have no idea why, but uh, there's a great deal of uh, canceled GameCube games. There's a great deal of canceled video games generally. Um, so there's actually quite a few GameCube games, and it, there's too many to talk about in one episode. So we'll probably make this into a two- or a three-parter kind of thing over the course of the next little while, starting with uh, today's part one. We're going to talk about three games today. Uh, some of the games, other games on GameCube that were announced and never came out that I guess we may talk about someday were The Cat in the Hat, Car Combat slash Thunder Rally, Conquer's Other Bad Day, DK Bongo Blast, Earthbound Sequel, Golden Sun 3, Kirby's Adventure, Wind Waker 2, Perfect Dark Zero, Super Mario 128, Velvet Dark, Yoshi's Touch and Go, Two Human, and Mario Kickoff Football. Uh, a bunch of those games eventually came out to other consoles, including Nintendo consoles. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll definitely cover a bunch of those games at some point in the future. Uh, so, Mike, obviously we have no memory or experience of playing at least two of the games that we're talking about today. Um, I have only one back of the case to read later. So I figured it would be cool to talk about the announcement of each game, talk about some E3 footage, some rumors around the game, and then obviously when it was ultimately cancelled. Uh, and then the one game that did later on get released on Wii, we can cover that one last. What do you think about that kind of a, a setup for today? I like that, yeah. There's there's three games we're going to talk about today, of course. You mentioned a whole bunch of those uh, at the beginning there that we can definitely talk about in the future. One in particular, Mario Kickoff Football, is one I would really like to get into at some point in mm-hmm. the future. It's an NFL Mario game that was going to be developed by Retro Studios, who eventually just focused more on Metroid Prime, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and also because there was a, a huge saturation of uh, football games on the system, things, and even things like Disney Sports sports football that didn't do well that led Nintendo to abandon that project but that is probably the one of that list that I was most interested in when I was doing some research uh, for this episode but yeah the first one up Neil uh, Donkey Kong Racing. That's right Donkey Kong Racing partially developed by Rare announced an E3 2001 was slated for release in 2002 cancelled in August of 2002 Uh, this game was cancelled and of course never released and it was going to be the follow-up the sequel to the I would, I would call classic N64 yeah. game Diddy Kong Racing. Uh, and if, if you're a younger listener out there, Diddy Kong Racing, basically, we're not going to talk about the game, but I would consider Diddy Kong Racing to be in that tier of N64 games where you're at a friend's house, you know, it's Friday night or it's Saturday night, and you've got your stack of N64 games. And obviously the games that most people went to on the N64 were GoldenEye, you had Smash Bros, you had Mario Kart, maybe your Pokemon Stadium. Diddy Kong was kind of like the one where it's like, well, we'll probably play this one later. And usually we did. <laughs> it was always kind of like the, we'll play this one after a few rounds yeah. of the other games. I love Diddy Kong Racing. It's still one of my favorite kart racers uh, to this day. Um, so a, a sequel to Diddy Kong Racing would have been awesome on GameCube. And there's mm-hmm. very little about the Donkey Kong racing in terms of uh, gameplay and footage and everything, since this game was basically right around the time when uh, Rare was in the process of being bought by Microsoft, like you were talking about earlier, and all of their games were being shifted over to to Xbox as opposed to GameCube. And the only Rare game that we eventually got was Star Fox Adventures. And then Rare basically uh, got uh, put into a can to make uh, avatars for the Xbox Live service. <laughs> That's the short history on Rare. <laughs> that That is the short history on Rare. Uh, yeah, it's it's too bad because this game was relatively far in development when uh, Xbox bought Rare in 2002, like you said, um, and quite late after Donkey or Diddy Kong Racing as well. This is five years mm-hmm. after Diddy Kong Racing at this point, four years uh, in 2001, and then 2002 is when it actually got canceled. But the whole, I can go through the plot and like the, the gameplay and the idea of what did DK Racing was supposed to be. It was going to be uh, quite a bit different than Diddy Kong Racing. It, they wanted to actually just ev- evolve it a lot more rather than just making a sequel to the game, which I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Based in the jungle, it would have had uh, a, uh, a lot of fading sunlight through the races as well as it taking place at night in certain ones too, which was a, a kind of a new concept on on uh, the GameCube hardware. Uh, playable characters that were found in the code were uh, Donkey Kong, of course, Diddy, Taz the Genie, Dixie Kong, Lanky Kong, Kitty Kong, and Cranky Kong, of course. Um, you would have not been riding those little helicopters or, or, or carts that you have in Diddy Kong Racing, but you would have been riding the backs of animals like rhinos and emus and I think bees and insects as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, the rideable characters. A lot of characters from uh, Donkey Kong 64 and Donkey Kong Country. There's Rambi the Rhino, On Guard the Swordfish, Expresso the Ostrich, Chomps the Shark, Neki the Vulture, and Army the Armadillo. Uh, yes. I, I forgot that all these characters had names. <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> it's like, oh, I was like, who's Army? Oh, the Armadillo. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, that would have been really cool and fun. And, and the game was also going to feature the ability to upgrade the animals as well by collecting yep. food and prizes during the race. So I think that the game was going to be a lot more dynamic than just a straight up kart racer and it, it's sad because there aren't really a lot of innovations to the kart racing uh genre it feels like basically every car racer is really just cutting and pasting the mario kart blueprint of it's a three lap circuit you have eight to twelve uh kart racers on the track at once you've got a various assortment of items um that if you're playing mario kart 8 are relatively well balanced if you're playing any other kart racer probably aren't balanced at all um, and then the game has maybe voice actors from those franchises from the past, yeah. maybe not. The graphics are probably hit or miss, and usually it's developed by THQ. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of it in terms of kart racers. So it's too bad that Rare weren't able to eventually execute on this vision. Uh, they did They did put out a lot of games on the N64. You mentioned that, that there was a long time between this and Diddy Kong Racing. But you have to remember, on the N64 and early GameCube, I suppose, they put out a ton of new ip and sequels as well they were putting up the banjo kazooie games the conquers bad fur day games they also put banjo kazooie on game boy advance uh they were doing jet force gemini and goldeneye and perfect dark they were doing so much in the late 90s so it's no wonder that this game was delayed and unfortunately delayed to an unfortunate time in nintendo's history where like i said before rare was bought or Microsoft was buying up a whole bunch of different studios, including Rare, so this game unfortunately got shelved, but it's sad because I feel like it's been so long since we've had a new Donkey Kong game. It's really, it's been like 10 years since Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze came out, and something like this would be so cool to have just as like a... um, like an interstitial, like in between the main 2D or 3D Donkey Kong games to have mm-hmm. a Diddy Kong uh, or Don- and Donkey Kong racing game to come out in between each one. I think it'd be really cool. And Nintendo, I guess that they, they probably don't want this type of a game to exist because you see the success of Mario Kart 8. Yes. And if they had anything else out remotely like it, they're just cannibalizing their own market. I ex- exactly, Neil. Yeah, I, yeah. I had that written down too. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, my whole thing was, yeah, part of me wonders if this game was almost flying too close to the sun mm. uh, for, for Nintendo to like it. Because one problem that, that Rare had in this time, especially in the early 2000s at this point, like you said, they were making so many different games for Nintendo and Nintendo wasn't really giving them a lot of money. And uh, that was a big problem that Rare had. And and as you know, Rare even asked Nintendo to buy them at one point, where Nintendo just was like, no, we'll, we'll uh, be okay. I, hate <laughs> I know. It's just That's so, so frustrating. <laughs> so frustrating because it could have all worked out. But I, I think I, I don't want to theorize too much here, but I'm sure that, that there was a little part of Nintendo who saw Diddy Kong Racing, saw the success it had and, and how innovative it was on that front but then seeing them develop this other game that was way more innovative than a mario kart that they were putting out which was going to be double dash Mm -hmm. even though double dash is an amazing game you know donkey kong racing not only featured you riding on the backs of these animals it also featured tracks that didn't have a a set path Mm -hmm. that you would be going through the jungles and trying to find your own path through it which is pretty cool having less defined tracks in a game uh i i think this lends itself a lot to replayability and makes it stand out very much from mario kart but i think nintendo saw uh the potential of this even with the water levels there's water areas that were going to be in here that made me think of mario kart 8 a lot to be honest and it looks great for being demoed at e3 2001 Mm -hmm. yeah the graphics look really cool it was definitely an early rendering of the game but Rare had Rare just understood how to use Nintendo hardware, especially with the yes. N64, and it looked like, I mean, Star Fox Adventures, we've talked a lot about that game on the GameCube was Cool podcast, and I always said, you know, it's a great game, it's a bad Star Fox game. Uh, that game looks beautiful, though, and if they had made a kart racer based with based on that engine, with those graphics, with Donkey Kong characters, with, like you said before, the they, they were referred to it as real-world phenomena happening, where they were rendering swaying trees and fading sunlight and light coming through the, through the trees, and then, yeah. like you said, day-night cycles, basically, and 
underwater physics and graphics. I think that they could have had a great time making a Donkey Kong racing game. It's too bad that it never came out because th- there's such a there's such an interesting roster of characters too that they could have picked from. Like you mentioned it up top there with Donkey Kong, Tiny Kong, Kitty Kong, Lanky, Cranky, and uh, Taj, which we haven't seen Taj in a long time. Uh, that's the uh, racist elephant from Diddy Kong Racing. Uh, I'd love to see him make a return, honestly. Um, <laughs> he's fantastic uh, on right? his flying carpet. He was yeah. really funny. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's really too bad this game never came out. I, I'm forever saddened that... You just reminded me, you know, forever saddened that Nintendo was basically given Rare on a silver platter and they turned them away. And then they made those, you know, whatever games on Xbox and Xbox 360. And they make Sea of Thieves now, which I've, from what I've heard is pretty good. But And they made Saberman's Stampede. Thank God. Uh, which is, is actually a game that uses a lot of the assets from DK Racing. Yeah. Uh, and as we're going to talk about in this uh, in this episode, and, and I'm sure episodes later and, and, and in the future, uh, when games get canceled, they don't usually go nowhere. They mm-hmm. usually uh, get used or reused for something else. Sometimes it's harder to tell than others, of course. Something like Super Mario 128 got reused to create Pikmin, uh, for example. And for this case, Saberman Stampede, which is just like a kind of a cool looking game. It, it just it ha- it didn't have the love and it never actually came out for the Xbox, I should say. It was canceled in 2005, uh, but it was it looked like it was pretty much done, except they didn't really have a narrative for it. But the graphics, the uh, the everything uh, was all kind of created already. And a big part of it was not necessarily racing, but moving around on animals and moving around on your rhino in the jungle and going hunting or whatever you were doing in the game uh, with uh, with uh, Mr. Saberman, who's from the Banjo series. Hmm. Uh, he's the guy with like the, um, the safari hat and he's got like, the white mustache. Yeah, he's yeah. in Tui, I think. I think so. Yeah. It kind of looks like a, a goofy Cabela's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the best way I can describe it. Um, yeah, it's two, but that's that's two canceled games then, basically under Rare's mm-hmm. belt. And that's something that I I I it frustrates me as a, a game enthusiast is just the it seems like we never learn and or developers and publishers never learn in terms of announcing games way too early. Um, yeah, like this doesn't happen in other media's. Like it happens. Sure, movies get canceled all the time, but very rarely does a big movie that like you know blockbuster movie get canceled like like Batgirl obviously got canceled recently but that's rare like that's one yes. every couple of years if that where you hear movies get scrapped and even then like when they get scrapped usually they get picked back up again and then released um to various success like you know you'll get five new directors and 16 different writers and like come hell or high water those movies usually get released but games it just feels like they just nonchalantly get get announced or they get leaked or they you know they get pitched at e3 is the next big thing and then they either continue to get pitched at E3, like Beyond Good and Evil 2, or like Donkey Kong Racing, they just get scrapped. And it's so frustrating as a, as a video game enthusiast. I just feel like d- d- you guys can you can wait to announce your games until you're absolutely <laughs> sure it's going to come out, or at least 90% sure, because there's no way that they were yeah. that confident in this game coming out when it was announced in 2001 and then canceled in less than a year. Like, that doesn't sound right, but anyway. It, that, I mean, I think... DK Racing is really just a product of of Microsoft buying them, yeah. but which was inevitable anyways, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they knew that. And uh, maybe in their heart, they had an idea of well, I guess they they did try and use these as reuse these assets for another game because mm-hmm. clearly the game was getting close to be finished at least on just the gameplay side of things. Uh, so it it is sad, and that's probably one of the closest ones we have uh, for the GameCube, and one of the most famous ones for sure. Uh, and uh, I even uh, I completely forgot I was looking back at some of our old uh, stuff that we did for the uh, GameCube is Cool podcast. I, I made a little did you know for the Donkey Kong Racing oh. uh, for one of our first episodes uh, uh, talking about how like did you know that Donkey Kong Racing was supposed to be a thing? And <laughs> did you just say that randomly like you had a like you had a stroke <laughs> while I was talking about something else? <laughs> no, it was what I posted on Instagram. Oh, for, um, oh yeah, yeah. The, the did you know? Because it was for the Star Fox Adventures right. episode talking about Rare, mm. and then of course I talked about it, and here we are, a hundred episodes later. I forgot we did that, but that was years ago. Yeah, the did you knows on Instagram. That's right. I forgot that phase in our life. But yeah, video game assets, of course, get reused. That's that's no surprise. And uh, yeah, parts of Nintendo games have appeared on other parts of other Nintendo games. Mario and Zelda specifically, you always hear of that. 
that type of thing happening all the time. But the next game that we're going to be talking about had no excuse for being canceled due to being bought by Microsoft. And that game is Dead Phoenix, which was partially developed by Capcom. Never officially canceled. Capcom just refused to ever comment on its existence. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, Dead Phoenix was a part of the Capcom 5 banner, which we talked about on the GameCube was Cool podcast. And the Capcom 5 was basically... Capcom's sort of sales pitch or uh, their their program for the GameCube back in the day was Capcom was going to offer five exclusive games for the GameCube and it was a way to get gamers to come in and buy ga- buy the GameCube because they were going to get these terrific Capcom games. Those games were Resident Evil 4, Beautiful Joe, PNO3, Killer7, and Dead Phoenix. Uh, four of those games that uh, were announced under that uh, banner d- came out, and only one of them remained a GameCube exclusive, that one being PNO3. The bad one. <laughs> the bad, yeah, basically the most, well, the most underwhelming game of yes, the four. Yes, yes. Uh, bad is all subjective, of course. Basically, PNO3 was kind of like the predecessor to Bayonetta. Yeah. Uh, very, basically Bayonetta without the charm or the heart. Um, <laughs> an interesting game, nonetheless, but yeah. uh, no, Killer Seven's a cool game. Beautiful Joe's a great game, and Resident Evil 4 is, of course, a, an ultimate classic in, in gaming. But Dead Phoenix was that fifth game they announced and then basically never mentioned again for the most part. There's, like I said, there's very little about this game, but basically it was meant to be a 3D shoot-em-up game featuring a winged man named Phoenix, very similar to the Panzer Dragoon series, which is a game that I don't really know much about, honestly. That's a bit of a blind spot in my uh, gaming history. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you ever play Panzer Dragoon? I feel like we don't talk about that game at all. <laughs> no, I, I never have, to be honest. I know of it, but yeah. it's it's one that I think was kind of before our time. Yeah, I think so. I think it, it might have last appeared on Dreamcast. I remember that being like one of the games that showed off yeah. the Dreamcast power. But I love shoot 'em ups and uh, it's a bit of like a bullet hell kind of game. Players, the, the pitch of the game was players would take control of a wingman as he flies around shooting massive enemies. The aid of allies on foot, a lot like Star Fox, actually. So mm-hmm. uh, this would have been an interesting game on GameCube only because we don't have a ton of shoot 'em ups on that console. The only one that I can really think of is like Ikaruga yep. being one of the bigger ones. And this seems to be like a very, very vast shoot 'em up, uh, and and with a lot of scope for it too. It seemed like uh, just watching the trailer of this as well, because there was a trailer that says summer 2003 uh, that they said that it was going to come out. Watching the trailer, I'm looking at, it, I'm like, you know what? I can see why this was canceled. Like it looks mm-hmm. like they had the ideas, they had the elements, but the scope was a little too large to be playing with. And of course, when these games were starting to come out on GameCube and weren't faring as well as they wanted, Dead Phoenix then just fell by the wayside as mm-hmm. it was probably the the fourth or fifth game in their kind of roster. If you want to rank them, I'm sure this was a bit lower on the on the scale because they knew that this wouldn't sell as well as something like a Resident Evil 4, uh, for example. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it's the there's a lot of potential behind it. Kid Icarus is another one. That mm. kind of brings to mind, uh, like the same kind of winged figure, like Pit. Yeah, uh, that was one of the first things I thought of when I saw this. Uh, also, a bit of Shadow of Colossus style because you're fighting these really giant enemies. It's a game that that has a lot of different elements in it, and it would have been interesting to see its final form because I don't think it would have been if it if these Capcom games had done really well on GameCube. I don't think it would have been exactly this what we see. No, uh, the Capcom 5 thing is it's it's a lot like Rare being bought by Microsoft. It would be very interesting to have a reality where the Capcom 5 remained or yeah. first of all the Capcom 5 all came out and they remained uh exclusives for the GameCube. Like how would that have d- done any differently for the GameCube? Would it have would all these games have flopped? Would RE4 be the classic that we still talk about today? Probably. Um, but like, would Beautiful Joe be as popular? Which honestly, most of the, the games that came out other than RE4 aren't popular anyway. So yeah, it's a very weird concept and we don't really see it much anymore at all where a publisher will come out and like promise like five exclusive games for this console. It's very weird. Like, I don't think it's, it didn't happen before and it hasn't happened since. Clearly, this is why. Um, but it's just such an interesting concept. Like, yeah. they said, you know, they'll chop their heads off with a chainsaw if RE4 comes out anywhere else. And now RE4 <laughs> has been on literally everything except like the Wii U. Um, so, but yeah, Dead Phoenix, it is an interesting looking game. I'm, I'm looking at the trailer right now and it looks like this is... It looks close to being done. Like this looks like a game running on GameCube and oh, yeah. it's running yeah. at a smooth, like it looks like almost always 60 frames per second, except for maybe some of these boss fights, which look really fun, like flying dragons, like dragon boss fights are, are the coolest thing. You mentioned Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. A lot of these giant monsters 
dragon dinosaur looking things very shadow of the colossi looking oh yeah it would have been fun like it would have been a cool gamecube game but it's easy to talk highly about a game that never came out what would you have liked to see in a game like this neil what would you be your hope for for a dead phoenix type of game yeah i think the for a dead phoenix game i think it it should have been short first of all like i know a lot of people talk about game length. i think this game should have been probably like a star fox kind of game yep where you play level by level the basically a star fox game where it's maybe six to eight levels branching paths where if you get through a certain level in a certain way you go through another branch uh ending off with a boss fight and then going on to the next level to fight the big bad this could have literally just been a star fox clone mixed with kid icarus like you said and i think that would have been the best thing for it basically a fantasy star fox game with dragons and angels and and knights is kind of my ideal uh what i would have liked to see in it personally would be honestly just a seamless error to combat ground mechanics because Mm -hmm. i love the flight I think flight stuff is really cool, especially in this era when we started to learn how to actually make flight things work well instead of Superman 64. Uh, <laughs> I've I've really yet to play a game that does the flying and air combat well. You know, I think of Star Fox Adventures and what they were trying to do with the idea of like being on ground and then and then kind of going into your your plane. It would have been really cool to be this Phoenix guy just on the ground fighting the monsters and just instantly be able to take off and go insane mm-hmm. heights. Uh, and start fighting that way. Like, No More Heroes does that in spurts, where you can do these insane jumps, and then you're just fighting in the air for a while. But I, I would have liked that as like a full gameplay uh, mechanic. Yeah, I'm trying to think because I, I just think of Superman games whenever I think of anything like that. And like flying to ground, like it, it never works well. There's something no. about that. It just, I don't know why. Like it, it just doesn't, because like, it's like, what are you doing when you're in the air? Is there anything for me to be doing or am I just holding down A? Because right. that's why Spider-Man games are so good because like you, you're technically flying in those games, but you're actively flying. Like you're, you're, yes. you're shooting webs at buildings to swing as opposed to Superman where you're literally just going from point A to point B and maybe a jet fighter comes at you or some some other alien is coming at you to fight but yeah yeah, it's hard to make that good and interesting um and with uh with dead phoenix it's hard to say because like this game has no lore we don't know anything (laughs) about the story or what the what the purpose of these this bat these battles are so it's hard to say but if you are like let's say flying from the ground combat and then flying up to the boss fight i think that would make more sense where you get up to the clouds yeah and then you fight like the big dragon or the big space worm or whatever it is um, and then fly back down, and then you go back down to your ground combat. That's kind of what I had in mind, too, honestly, like in terms of the Star Fox thing, where yeah. it's like you're fighting your main enemies, and then the level transitions to that big boss fight, and then you move on to the next one, and then you can have level select. That also just it increases the replayability of it, too. Maybe there's high scores in it, mm-hmm. or maybe there's – I don't think there's gonna there was going to be any banter between characters. That feels like very much a Star Fox thing. Like, is there going to be a Slippy in Dead Phoenix? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, just just the character Slippy is in is in Dead Phoenix. And Peppy just saying, sorry, guys, I got to sit this one out. Yeah, and you got Falco, just an, just an ass of an eagle or whatever I he like is you know, with you. Yeah. Just, just give me another Star Fox game. Give us another Donkey This That's what this episode is quickly becoming. Give us another Star Fox. Give us another Donkey Kong. Don't give us your Dead Phoenixes <laughs> and your Donkey Kong racing. Just give us what we want, Nintendo. Don't give us Donkey Kong versus Mario. Please, I don't need, I don't need that. But uh, speaking mm. of, uh, speaking of that Nintendo Direct Neil, where we got Paper Mario. Yeah, that's right. We're getting Paper Mario Thousand Year Door next year, which is very exciting. So it makes sense to talk about a Paper Mario game that was supposed to be on GameCube that was later canceled, and that game is Super Paper Mario, developed by Intelligent Systems, announced in 2006. It was then canceled on the GameCube in 2006, and later released on Wii on April 9th, 2007. Rates an 8.5 out of 10, priced today at around $25, sold 4.23 million copies, making it the highest-selling Paper Mario game so far. Um, It's the sequel to Thousand Year Door. Before we talk about this game, Mike, I do want to ask you, though, because you referenced the Nintendo Direct, and of course that game ended with the, they dropped the bomb with the uh, Thousand Year Door announcement, which you and I both lost our minds over. That had been rumored for what feels like three years at this point, <laughs> that uh, that remaster. Um, I want to ask you, where do you think Thousand Year Door, I, obviously the remake is probably going to become the best-selling Paper Mario game of all time. How By how much do you think Thousand Year Door remake will sell by? Ooh, good question. I always love these questions. I think Thousand Year Door, I don't think it's as, I don't think Paper Mario is as popular as people think it is. Mm. I do think the the Mario names alone sells you close to 10 million. So I'm going to say that Thousand Year Door hits 8 million. So uh, basically doubling it. 
Eight million. Okay, so we're sitting at what is it like? Are we at like 120, 130 million switches out there? Is that yeah, roughly right? I'll say ten million. I think it's gonna hit ten. Um, okay. There's just so much hype around Paper Mario. Like four point two three on Wii. Wii was this was a mid Wii game. It's Paper Mario. So you're right. The Paper Mario series doesn't have quite the same staying power or the same uh, brand recognition as Mario. But just the fact that it's a Mario game and it's coming out. It's coming out late next year, isn't it? It's not coming out this year, which is... Pr- Just 2024, at some point. <laughs> that might work against it, because this year we've got Mario Wonder. Mm. People are going to, like, I've, people will have moved on from the Mario hype, which is very strong right now. You're probably actually going to be right with our predictions, but I'm going to stick, I'm going to stay strong with 10 million. I have faith that Thousand yes. Year Door Remake is going to do sell like gangbusters, and maybe we'll get ro- more remakes, or God forbid, a great new Paper Mario game, but... A good Paper Mario game that a lot of people don't talk about is Super Paper Mario. I played mm-hmm. this game on Wii back in 2016, I think it was. I picked this game up. Uh, it was in the fall. I actually tie this game specifically with the album uh, Jeff Rosenstock's Worry. Okay. Because that album came out <laughs> around that time. I think it was September, yeah. October of 2016. And that's when I bought this game. So I was listening to that album a lot while playing Super Paper Mario. That's funny. But Super Paper Mario, it's hard to say that quickly. Is I would call it underrated. Like a lot of people yes. talk about the N64 Paper Mario game, and of course, Thousand Year Door. I'm not gonna say anything. I'm gonna regret here. That is still the best game in the series. But honestly, on on depending on the day, I would say the Wii version of Paper Mario is the best Paper Mario, or the second best Paper Mario game. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. It changes up the formula. It it's more of an active combat game. Which if you're someone like me who's not really used to playing turn based. RPGs, despite the charm of Paper Mario games, that does get tiring after a while. And if you just want to play a 2D Mario game with a deep story, with tons of lore, rich rich storytelling, great characters, it's funny, it's great to read, and is just fun to play. It's a terrific game to pick up. And like I said at the beginning of the uh, of the the game stats, there twenty five bucks today. Like that's crazy cheap for most of the Paper Mario games. The good ones that you're going to look at are upwards of eighty to over a hundred dollars. And I bought this game for $13 and 50 cents, uh, seven years ago and loved it. Like it's like a 30, maybe 20 to 30 hour RPG. It it doesn't, it's not that hard, which is another thing too. Like you can really turn your brain off and just enjoy this game. Um, you get to play as Bowser, you get to play as Luigi, you get to of course play as Mario and it's, it's just a really fun game to play. So I just wanted to gush about Super Paper Mario for the first little bit of this review of the once canceled GameCube game later on ported to Wii. What do you think was like the big reason for moving it to Wii and like, what were like the big changes? I think simple enough, Neil, uh, really, it's just the GameCube wasn't selling uh, yeah. at all. And and honestly, weirdly bold of them to even announce this for the GameCube. Uh, they announced it May 2006. Mm-hmm. That is late. That means yeah. that the Wii is coming out just around the corner in November of 2006. And we see this at E3 and we, we – I'm not sure if we knew the Wii was coming – but yeah, I forget if, if when the Wii was actually announced, but if we didn't know it was coming, it, it was announced surely a month or two after uh, Super Paper Mario being announced for GameCube. So very strange that it was announced as a GameCube only rather than like a, do a Zelda style, like a Twilight Princess style where it's say, oh, the Super Paper Mario that's going to be available for the GameCube and mm. the Wii coming this summer, like this, like it would have been weird for sure, but it's weird that they didn't just been weird. Uh, go towards the Wii itself, but uh, because uh, Paper Mario Thousand Year Door, that comes out 2004, not a late GameCube game per se, but certainly uh, we're getting later into the GameCube's life cycle at this point. Uh, so it's only about two years there. They clearly just started on Super Paper Mario as soon as they were done A Thousand Year Door. There's a lot of the assets that are brought over. But honestly, the trailer, the E3 trailer, which you can find online, looks very similar to what the game ended up being. The graphics look the same. like They, they look great. They're clearly mm-hmm. using all the GameCube hardware there. I mean, the Wii itself isn't a huge graphical upgrade anyways from the GameCube. Uh, it certainly is an upgrade, but uh, for something like Paper Mario, it's a bit harder to tell for sure. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting what could have been on, on the GameCube. Uh, like you said, having two Paper Mario games on there would have been pretty crazy. But I think that my number one thing that the GameCube has over the Wii is the controller. You would be able to play uh, Super Paper Mario with the GameCube controller, which you weirdly cannot do on the Wii. 
it, yeah, it's weird. The Super Mario, Super Paper Mario on Wii, it's 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 a game that you can just play with the Wii mote, and there aren't too many games on the Wii, or at least first party games uh, on the Wii that can do that. Return I think the, to Dreamland maybe being like one of the the few ones. Yeah, and I think Metroid uh, Other M is another one too. But mm-hmm. this one kind of feels like that you're playing a game on the NES, like you're just yeah. playing the sideways uh, Wii mote, and it's really weird because I don't know why you can't play this game with uh, with the GameCube controller. Because from what I remember, playing the um, playing the campaign in this game there's no motion controls at all there might be shaking at times but you can just replace that with something else on the gamecube controller yeah there are some motion mini games motion based mini games that they inserted into this game which i guess wouldn't have been in the gamecube version yeah uh, that would have been uh, one thing one major major difference but i think in, in terms of just the story and the graphics this game would have looked very similar on gamecube it just would have been really weird i feel like paper mario is one of those franchises that it's like it's a one per console franchise we don't need a lot of these and the 3ds has some pretty bad paper mario games on there um sticker stars is most paper mario fans me included consider that one to be the worst one sure there's a random crossover between mario and luigi and paper mario a weird franchise to cross over because those those games are just too similar it's kind of like crossing over mario and captain toad it's like this is just the same all right (laughs) the handhelds sometimes get the two paper mario games i suppose and now we're getting two paper mario games because we have origami king already on switch and now we're getting a thousand year door but this is the first example of a remake so it'll be interesting to see uh actually how uh the thousand year door does compared to um origami king mm-hmm. we'll have to wait and see but yeah just going back to the like the, the the overall gameplay of this game it's really neat it, it changes up the formula of a regular 2d paper mario game and this one actually kind of makes it more of like a 3d game uh you can go into like different perspectives of the game and you get to see like the backside of kind of the sets that you you know traditional paper mario games you're kind of always looking at them from one angle this one you get to flip you go through like the flip-flop realm i think they call it in the game and it's just really cool how that how they do that kind of yoshi's crafted world style yeah a lot like a yoshi's crafted world or like a kirby's uh what's that one the kirby uh epic yarn no that but it's the um the (laughs) rainbow the, uh, the one on Wii U, I forget what it's called, it doesn't matter. Kirby and the Rainbow <laughs> Curse, I think it's something like that. But anyway, uh, this game is also incredibly dark too. Like Paper Mario games, typically they have, I love these games because they're funny, but then they also have kind of like this existential dread to them as oh, well. Yeah. Like there's there's always a character or a world or a level where it's like just complete dread and despair and the characters yeah. are kind of like these, t- there's always something twisted about them. Like I think it's in this one where you go to basically Nintendo or Mario, you go to Mario Hell. Yes. In a way, like it's just like this this deep void because this game is very is basically the whole plot of this game is like it's kind of like the birth and the lore of pixels. Um, so you go to like this world where like they're the the all of the I guess characters of the sprites are void of pixels. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like in this weird in between limbo world and basically I think if I'm if I remember correctly, it's basically all of the the souls of dead Mario's in this wow. world. It's really dark. And the boss fight, I think it's from this world, is basically like this little this little girl. She comes out, her head twists upside down, and then spider legs come out of her. And then she like climbs all over the walls and like up to the ceiling and stuff. It's a really creepy game. Wow. It's yeah, the boss fights in this game are very good. And you're playing like you do a regular Mario game. It's not the uh the classic turn base, you know, pick a fight, mm-hmm. pick a sticker, uh, depending <laughs> on the game you're playing. It's uh it's just jump and hit, hit jump on people's heads and uh until they die, basically. And uh, for that, the game, like, it, it's very easy, though, unfortunately. It's, it's yeah. the characters do die pretty quickly. Uh, you're going to play the majority of this game as just Mario and Bowser. Even though you can play as Princess Peach and uh, Luigi at some points, you really don't need to, which is too bad. The balancing in this game is off, unfortunately. Um, I, would, I would love to see them go back to this format, honestly. Um, I, I love the idea of ditching the, the turn-basedness of Paper Mario, which I know is heresy for a lot of people. But I do think that... Paper Mario games, like we, the turn-based stuff, is is cool, but I feel like that they just keep screwing it up with like paint and and origami stickers and, and everything else. And I can't remember what the gimmick was in uh, Origami King now, but I remember mm. it wasn't it wasn't great. Whatever it was, this this reinvented it without it being annoying for longtime Mario players like myself, who like we talked about last week, we love Super Mario World, and this game uh, this game combines Paper Mario with Super Mario World perfectly. Yes. 
that's a great way to put it is the combination of those two kind of great games put together and with super mario or with uh super paper mario it's hard to say that. i know it's really I'm, spm let's just call it that spm with spm and you talked about having the dark storyline really and and honestly like not super kid-friendly storyline uh th- this is i think the remnants from the gamecube i think that's more than anything because we we see games on the wii for the most part, the Wii is really pushing the the kind of childlike, fun, family, everything casual gamer kind of style. And GameCube had a lot of these kind of more risque games, you could call them, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I think this the, this is Super Paper Mario's narrative certainly fits that uh, that shell. Definitely. It's still rated E, which is kind of weird. I would call this one more like an E10 yeah. kind of game. I'm just looking back. Comic Mischief, Cartoon Violence... And that's it. No existential dread on <laughs> yeah, the back. Yeah, existential which... dread on the back? <laughs> <laughs> it kind of reminds me, Nintendo does sometimes put those things into their game, and even with the Mario movie, spoilers for that, but the uh, the blue star. The Luma and, kind of character, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the prisoner Luma is, is a lot like, that's kind of the closest thing to like deep, dark paper Mario comedy. That uh, that we got in the movie, kind Sweet of in... the release of death. Yeah. Oh god, <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's a lot like that. And honestly, man, I haven't played this game since I bought it in 2016. I'd love to go back to it sometime. Um, it, it's a fantastic game. I highly recommend recommend people out there pick it up and just check it out. Like if you're if you're if you're a big fan of Thousand Year Door and you're you're not a big fan of Color Splash and Sticker Star, like unfortunately I wasn't when they came out. Super SPM doesn't get talked about enough, and I'm a, I'm a big supporter of it. So. Such a big supporter that, of course, like you said, you own the game and as well, you have the case to read off because this is the only game today that actually has a back of the case. It actually has a back of the case. Before I read the back of the case, I do want to talk about the front of it and mm-hmm. describing a game box is not much fun on a podcast, so I'll do it quickly. But this might be my favorite Paper Mario case, just straight up. I love everything. There's so much going on on this cover. There's a dragon in the background, like I talked about on Dead Phoenix. Big fan of dragons, I guess. Love dragons. Love dragon. Big fan of dragon supporter right here. You've got all of the characters on the front. You've got Peach, Bowser, Luigi, kind of inferring that they're going to be playable characters here. Uh, you've got the bad guy in here, which I guess you have to assume is not going to be Bowser in this game. Um, the it's, it's just bright, colorful. It's in a 3D perspective, which is different because since most Paper Mario games are, of course, 2D. Um, you've got the bad guy. It looks like the bad guy's got like a little secretary with him, which is really funny she's like this kind of i guess preppy kind of pink haired i guess woman with like a pager and a cell phone it's the game is just really funny and really charming and the front of the case i think communicates that really well Mm -hmm. the back of the case also communicates very well about what's inside the game so i'll read that right now but first victor hit us with that sweet jingle it's time to read what's on the back of the case there's things written on the back of the case let's read them And now we're reading The Back of the Case. Mario flips out. Run through worlds. Flip to 3D. Play as Peach and Bowser. Level up. Use items. Shake the Wii remote to get stylish. Stuck in 2D? Flip into 3D and keep going. It's an adventure that's out of this dimension. Yeah, see, I guess that's that's why it's not on GameCube, Mike, is because you can't you can't shake the GameCube controller to do anything. So obviously, uh, couldn't run on GameCube. Obviously, uh, <laughs> one thing you did talk about the the cover, of course. Uh, I actually preferred the PAL version. I think not not that the uh, North American cover is bad uh, by any means. The PAL version just enhances it a little bit more. I love the yellow background that it has. It's got the circle that uh, is covering Mario in the middle, showing all the stuff in the background, and it actually has. Mario jumping, this is funny, he's jumping the other way, uh, where in the North American version, he's jumping his more traditional going left to right. In the PAL, he's he's jumping right to left. I will say Bowser, because in this one also, Bowser is looking straight at the camera. Paper Bowser looking right at you is kind of terrifying. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a good point. Yeah, he looks like he uh, looks like a sticker, basically, by doing that. But Yeah, he looks very, it's too symmetrical. Yeah, you know? good point. And these characters are not meant to look forward, so that's kind of strange. Uh, this The shade of yellow, though, that they use for this one, I associate it with WarioWare games. Mm. It's the Wario yellow, yes. which is... I don't know why they went with that. That's very interesting. And also the um, the side. I don't know if you can see this on the, the what you're looking at, Mike, but the, um, the, I guess, spine of the case is that... That weird font that we see, uh, we saw in the GameCube generation a lot and in the Wii U generation. I wonder if this is like 
maybe all PAL games look like that on Wii. In North America, the spine of most Wii games is actually really interesting. They all look very different. Yes. Um, they all have like a different art style to them. Uh, most Wii games, I think, in North America are all different. We didn't use any of the same fonts for the most part. But uh, PAL got that boring, bold font that we talked about a little bit about on the GameCube is Cool podcast. Yeah, very Wii U-like and yeah, a bit like the uh, the GameCube cases, but like, like very Luigi's cool. Mansion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, we're learning today. We're just, it's just a whole episode of learning, Neil. You can learn a lot from video games that never came out, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, yeah. But that brings me to my first closing comment for today's, or but that brings me to my first closing question for you, Mike, for today's episode. Obviously, we can only really recommend one game today, and it's Super <laughs> Paper Mario because it's the only game that I guess exists. But I wanted to ask you, what are some of your most wanted canceled video games of all time that you wish could come out? Good good question, Neil. And there's there's a lot of canceled games that, have come, that haven't come out but have come out as different assets or different elements. Uh, there's also a lot of franchises that have died, and I'm sure there have been games that were canceled, but internally. Uh, I'm going to kind of stick with the uh, with the, the, the Nintendo GameCube era just for this, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so that I don't go too far off the path. Uh, the Mario kickoff football is probably my, my number one or two for sure, like I was talking about earlier in the show. Uh, but I think my, my real number one would probably be Conker's Other Bad Day because uh, yeah. I love Conker's Bad for a Day. I think that is one of the most unique, stupid, silly games ever made <laughs> that has spawned a whole generation of different games. I think of like the, the South Park games as well of like that, like that kind of dirty humor, um, mm-hmm. but mixed with actually really good gameplay. Uh, Conker's Bad for a Day is a great game that has great multiplayer as well and, and endless fun. And a lot of people didn't get to play it because it sold terribly. And uh, it's often considered one of the most expensive N64 games there is out there. And I would love to have have had a better way to play it. Uh, of course, I didn't have an N64. I famously hate the N64. <laughs> and I would have loved to be able to play this on the Wii or the GameCube and just have the, the better controllers and better graphics and just complete comedic action because 10-year-old me would have loved it. Yeah, R.I.P. Conquer. Honestly, it's uh, that's a, that's a character that I miss. I I would yeah. love a new Conquer game, especially in today's media. Like it'd be interesting to just have, just like he's not even like it, it, those games. I wouldn't consider offensive either for the most no. part. Maybe there might be one or two characters in there, but for the most part, it's just toilet humor. Which yep. I mean, depending on <laughs> which, you know, I think I think toilet humor is totally fine. Uh, but in terms of canceled GameCube games, the uh, the only one here that I could come up from the list, which would have been interesting to see, is the canceled Earthbound game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Earthbound is coming back. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I I love the Nintendo fans out there that hold out hope for Earthbound uh, Mother Three. Yeah, I have a hard time believing Earthbound is ever coming back. Um, I think I think one day. Just based on this last Nintendo Direct, we're gonna get Earthbound '99. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! I think people would actually like jump off a bridge. Like, I was yeah. close to. Okay, I know that. I know that. I'm sure a lot of people out there. I actually don't know the reaction to that Direct uh, now that I think about it. But that F Zero '99 was the most deflating feeling I have had in a long time, Mike. <laughs> I was so ready for like an F Zero game where maybe you could switch between the 16 bit and the uh, and like and like new like a uh, modern graphics like you could play the you could play old style and you could play new. Uh, I thought that they were gonna come out with something like that, almost like what Halo did. <laughs> this is a big w- big reach, but basically like what Halo <laughs> did with the Master Chief Collection, where you could switch back between the Xbox graphics and the Xbox One graphics. And when it, when it was an F Zero ninety nine game, that game <sighs> just looks like a complete freaking mess. So I hope that Earthbound uh, fans get basically that so they can feel my pain. So I'm not the biggest Earthbound fan in the world, but I would like to have seen what they could have done with Earthbound on GameCube. But yeah, it's been like 30 years since Earthbound, so we're not getting it. But 20 years from F-Zero, so at mm. least uh, we got – hey, there's something out there. I'm not sure if it's uh, – I, I, I've downloaded it. I've yet to play F-Zero 99. I, I'll, I'll reserve judgment until I play it, but it does look like a chaos uh, – uh, a chaotic time but it doesn't look fun is my problem like it just doesn't look like fun but yeah. anyway uh canceled game though that i wanted to talk about mm. for me the biggest one and it probably dates back to i guess 2013 or 2012 and that's star wars 1313 oh, yeah. yeah yeah when uh yeah. disney bought star wars they basically put a bullet in a bunch of the star wars games and franchises that were being worked on at the time by lucas arts and one of the biggest games of that bunch was star wars 1313 which was basically going to be 
like uh, I think that was the Bounty Hunter kind of game, right? Where it was going to mm-hmm. be like a big open world style game. They had there was a brief kind of teaser trailer uh, for it. It looked really cool. I haven't seen that trailer in a long time, but uh, I I really I'm I'm I mean. W- Based on what we got after uh, Disney bought LucasArts and we got all those EA games for basically six years that weren't very good, uh, Battlefront Three, uh, the uh, the pandemic That's Battlefront Three. Oh, I was, would, gonna, I was gonna say my number one. Yeah, it would be Battlefront Three, the the yeah. two thousand nine or whatever year yeah. it was supposed to be. That's my number one. I'm so sad about that. Still, yeah, I figured that would come <laughs> up too when I brought it up. Yeah, like Battlefront Three, the original from the original trilogy. That's a big one. It's basically all canceled Star Wars games for yeah, me yeah. for the most part. Um, and then you know we got the EA Battlefront games uh, in the in the 2010s, which were hit or miss for the most part. I'm sure Battlefront Two is fine now from what I've heard, but they've released Broken and basically Cash Cows. We finally seem to have, we finally seem to be turning a corner with Star Wars games now. Uh, the the Fallen Order games are really fun. Jedi games, I like the first one. I'm excited to play the second one. Um, we'll have to wait and see what this new Star Wars game from the uh, the Heavy Rain guys looks like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 1313 and Battlefront Three would be uh, would be my big ones. I'm trying to think of Nintendo games, though, that get canceled that I'm really disappointed never came out. If I had to pick, Mike, I would have to say Star Fox Zero. It was supposed to come out for Wii U, <laughs> but it was canceled and never came out. And we just never ha- we haven't had a Star Fox game since the since the GameCube generation. And I'm really sad by that. I could have sworn we had a nope. Uh, oh, it was Slippy's. Uh, no, nope, uh, I don't think. I think you're forgetting that. I think you're. Uh, th- that's uh, you've been gaslit, Mike. That game never came out. Ah, okay. That that makes sense to me. <laughs> but Mike, well, I'm sitting here waiting for Star Fox Zero to finally come out so I can play uh, Star Fox Guard as well. Maybe it'll come in a two pack. That would be great. Mm. Uh, why don't listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 31 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast? On episode 31, we are talking about something that did come out, Neil. It was not canceled, but its name did get changed in 2001 it is jimmy eat world's bleed american a seminal album by one of our favorite bands we've been wanting to talk about this album for a long time and we haven't done a music uh episode for a while too so we are gonna dive right into that we're gonna have some guests on it's gonna be a great time and uh, i'm excited to uh to uh, listen to bleed american from front to back yeah, great album. I'm excited to go back to a music episode. We haven't done one of those in a little while. I think the last one, was it Blink-182? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks now since then. And actually, I think they finally just announced their new album. So uh, it's only been a year since Edging came out, but we're finally <laughs> getting some new songs. But no, Bleed American's a fantastic album. Uh, if, if you think you haven't heard it, you're wrong. You've definitely heard about half that album just by living in uh, in the 2000s. <laughs> a terrific album. We've seen Jimmy Eat World live. They're awesome. And I'm excited to talk about all those songs track by track and the music videos and uh, what it's like listening to that album today but until then ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening to episode 30 of the unlocking what was cool podcast new show every thursday on all the major podcast services leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better you can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool all patrons get to submit and vote on our monthly patreon elected episode thank you so much to everyone over there only three more of these episodes left this year you can follow us on instagram facebook and join the weekly conversation on our discord channel share us with your friends and family tell taj the culturally inappropriate elephant neil says hello friend thank you so much for the support and we will see you next week see you later Taj. bye Taj. the unlocking what was cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from toronto canada our podcast is fan funded by our listeners on patreon at patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool the show is produced hosted and edited by mike lane and neil gilbert Additional voices provided by Victor Young. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. AJ Olson 11, Bogus Lotus, Cube Dude, Dean Donian, Joey Sirico, Marty Thompson, Sparks Fly 027, and Way Overrated. Super Mario Spikers, another one that I forgot about. Volleyball Mario. Yeah, I, I don't know what, why can't they make, I mean, the, Mario sports games right now are in a, a state, but why can't they make new, like, new sports? Like, what would be, what would be, like, the sport that you would really want? I Mario guess hockey? curling. Ooh, curling. <laughs> I mean, what would you do? Just hold the Joy-Con straight <laughs> yeah. and then while your friend just sweeps? <laughs> just constantly. I mean, it's a one-two switch game. One-two Mario. Curling I think Mario, and... Mario Pickleball is the obvious choice. Ooh, I like that. Or a uh, cornhole. <laughs> <laughs> Ski ball Mario. Oh, God. <laughs> Nice. Awesome. Cool.